Amen. That was great. Did you enjoy that today? Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the Gospel of John. John chapter number three in your Bibles today. Wonderful, wonderful book, the Gospel of John. John chapter three. We're going to read some uh, really, really familiar scripture today. John chapter three in your Bibles, and when you find your place... If you'll stand today out of respect for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to stand, John chapter 3 and verse number 13 is where we're going to begin today. John 3 verse 13, how many are glad to be in God's house today? Amen? Good to be here today. John chapter 3 verse 13, the Bible says, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness... Even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And you may be seated. Give me just a few minutes today, and I'm going to try to... um, I want to try to see if I can help us just a little bit on this subject, the difference between eternal life and everlasting life. What is the difference between those two? And, uh, and so uh, I, I hope you'll hear me out, and I trust that this will be a blessing to us. And so let's go to the Lord right now. And, and uh, listen, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask you to pray with me, all right? Um, I want you to pray, and I want you to agree with me, and let's believe God to do something great today. And well, we need we need something from the Lord. So let's pray right now and ask God to help us together. Father, thank you for being so good to us. And Lord, what a joy to be back in the house of God. Thank you for Calvary. Thank you for, Lord, what you're doing here. We give you all the praise for that. We thank you for your power. Thank you for your mercy. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your answers to prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we want to thank you for every soul that's been saved God, we didn't do any of the saving. We're just thankful that you allow us to to point people to to the one who can save. God, we thank you for saving. Thank you for changing lives. God, I pray that you continue to do that. And Lord, I pray that you might make a hedge around this church. And Lord, that you'd help us to be always a soul-saving station. Lord, I pray that we would always be a Christ-honoring place. And Lord, when people come in here, I pray that they'll always know that the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be lifted up and that he's going to be glorified. Father, I pray you'd help everything to be right now. God, have your way and fill us with the Holy Spirit and anoint us, God, help us. I pray that the message would be clear and Lord, I, I pray that you would bring the increase from it all. We sure need you right now. Holy Spirit, help us. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over this service And God, I pray that you would, Lord, bind the powers of darkness. And Lord, I pray that you would, Lord, allow your will to be accomplished in this service today. We love you, Lord, and praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. I want you to look back, if you will, at verse number 15. And we're going to look at so many verses today that you won't have time to look at all of these. You'll just have to jot them down. If you want to take a note, that'll be fine. Verse 15 The Lord Jesus said in verse 15 that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Notice these last four words, but have 
eternal life. But I have eternal life. Then verse 16, that very famous verse, that iconic, <clears throat> iconic verse in verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so verse number 15, the Lord references eternal life and then the very next verse, he references everlasting life. In John chapter six and verse number 47, the Lord said it like this, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me hath everlasting life. And in Romans chapter six and verse number 23, as we read it in the Sunday school class this morning, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so someone says, Pastor, which is it? Is it eternal life or is it everlasting life? And I guess the best way to answer that question would be both, both. It's both eternal life and everlasting life. But someone says, what's the difference? Our Savior seems to use these verses and these words back to back almost uh, interchangeably. In one verse, he mentions eternal life. In the very next verse, he mentions everlasting life. Interesting study. The word for eternal in the Greek and the word for everlasting in the Greek is actually the same exact Greek word, the same exact word, but different lines of thought. So hear me, hear me out as we sort of give you the introduction here. Eternal life was assigned to every human being at creation. And that eternal life has no end. Listen to what our Bible says in Genesis chapter two and verse number seven. The Bible says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Listen to what our Bible tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse number seven. Then shall the dust return to the earth as it was and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. And so let me say again, eternal life was assigned to every human at their creation and that eternal life has no end. In other words, you will live forever. That spirit that God has placed inside of you will live forever, saved or lost. Man has been given an eternal soul and that eternal soul will never cease to exist. When a person accepts Christ as Savior, they not only have eternal life, well, oh, this is the good part, but they're given everlasting life. Everlasting life is added to that eternal life. Now you say, Pastor, not following you, hang in there with me. I think you, I, I think you will here in just a minute. And so everlasting life begins with salvation and that everlasting life has no end. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3 and verse number 36, he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. John chapter four and verse number 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up 
into everlasting life. In John chapter 5, verse number 24, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word, now it's, it's important, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And so eternal life, I believe, eternal life is given to every one of us. When God created us, that eternal life was put into us. You have a soul that will never cease to exist. People say, well, you know what? I just, as long as I can make it through this life, that's it. That's all there is. No, it's not. There is more to life than this life. And you say, pastor, I don't believe that. That doesn't change a thing. That doesn't change it a bit. When you leave this life, you have an eternal soul that is gonna end up somewhere. It's either gonna end up in heaven or it's gonna end up in hell. And that soul will never cease to exist. It has eternal life. By the way, that spirit, God's not gonna give you a spirit that is eternal. God has already given you a spirit that is eternal. The spirit that you have right now is the same spirit you're gonna have in eternity. And so God has given each of us an eternal soul that will never cease to exist. But I believe this. I believe that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God not only gave you an eternal soul, but God gave you everlasting life. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so, boy, I'm so thankful that uh, I guess 41 years ago, uh, when I came to the Lord Jesus Christ, God was drawing me to himself and I, I came to Christ and I can take you back to the place. I can take you back to the very spot where it happened uh, in a little country church way out in West Arnold County uh, in what used to be my pastor's little uh, little office there. And uh, boy, I remember the day. I remember the place. I remember the chair where I was seated at. I remember him talking to me and giving me the gospel. And I remember that day being under conviction of the Holy Spirit. And I, I prayed and open my life to Christ and ask Christ to come in and be my savior. Man, thank God. Now, I had eternal life, but that day I got everlasting life. And so I'm thankful for that. You say, Pastor, I don't believe that or preacher, I don't agree with that. Well, you know what? I guess we can still love each other. And we can agree to disagree. But I think I'm going to tell you today something that is, whether you agree with what I just told you, I'm going to tell you something that's very clear in the Word of God. When we think about this thing of eternal life and everlasting life, it is a very clear, clear Bible teaching that those who reject the gospel will not receive everlasting life. You say, well, preacher, you said everybody has an eternal soul. That's true. Everyone has an eternal soul, a soul that's never going to cease to exist. It is going to live forever somewhere. But if you're here today or you're watching my way of the live stream and you choose not to receive Christ as Savior, uh, you choose to follow another path. And by the way, he'll let you do that. God will never force you to be saved. But I believe today beyond a shadow of any doubt, I'm going to prove that those who die without Jesus Christ will not have everlasting life. Now, they'll have eternal life, 
but they will not have everlasting life. You say, well, pastor, if a lost person is not going to receive everlasting life, what are they going to receive? And I want to show you. First of all, I want to say, uh, say this today. The lost will receive everlasting punishment. Now, you have your Bible, sit down with you, turn over to Matthew chapter 25. If you're in the gospel of John still, just turn left, go back just a, a little way. So the gospel of Matthew, very first book in your New Testament, Matthew chapter number 25, and look at verse number 46. Now, please hang with me here today, if you will. I believe this is gonna be helpful. I believe it's gonna be interesting. Matthew 25 and verse number, uh, verse number 46. Matthew 25, uh, verse 46. The Bible says in these, speaking of the lost, and these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. That word punishment there is the Greek word kolasis, and it means, it means this, it means penal inflection or infliction. It means punishment or torment. As I studied that word out, it is, it's a word that comes from another word that is the idea of chastisement. And so uh, it, everlasting punishment, uh, everlasting punishment. Again, trying to figure out exactly what the Lord and what the Bible is trying to say to us here. And so as I begin to go back and I begin to study this out, uh, again, it, it's the idea of, of uh, being put in the penitentiary. It's the idea of punishment. It's the idea of torment. It's the idea of being chastised. And then the Lord began to shed light on this. It really goes back to what we were preaching about when revival broke out at Calvary Baptist Church. And that's this, that some are going to receive worse punishment or uh, that penal infliction than others are. Eternal punishment will be worse for those who heard the truth but rejected the truth. That's what the Bible's talking about when it says the lost are gonna receive everlasting punishment. They're going to be banished to not a physical penitentiary, of course, but it'll be something similar to that. And the Bible says that that, that that infliction, affliction, will be worse for those who have heard the truth and heard the truth and heard the truth and heard the truth, and yet they have turned away from the truth. And because they heard it and they could have received it, and yet they, they, they rejected it, the Bible says that punishment is going to be worse for them. Now, I don't want you to take my word for that. I want you to look at it with me, please. Good night. Let's pray today. Man, Luke chapter 12. Man, y'all understand we're standing between the living and the dead right now? Oh, mercy. Lord, help us today. Jesus, help us. Luke chapter 12. And uh, man, I'm telling you. Luke chapter 12, verse number 47. Now I want you to look at this. Look at this very, very closely today. Hear me out. Luke chapter 12, verse number 47. The Bible says, and that servant, and that servant, which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with what? Shall be beaten with many stripes. Verse 48, but he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with what? Shall be beaten with few stripes. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. And to whom men have committed much of him, they will ask the more. Now, if I understand this right, and I believe I do, this is what the Bible is teaching, that there's going to come a day when everyone who has an eternal soul and that soul will never cease to exist is gonna go either to heaven or it's gonna go to hell. 
And the Bible says that those who, who never knew the truth and they never accepted Christ as Savior, uh, will, those people will go to hell. Now, you say, preacher, that's not fair. Let me, tell you, let me tell you how fair God is. If somebody responds to the light, I promise you something, God will send more light to them. So if there's, a, if there's some native way out in the bush somewhere uh, in Africa or, uh, or uh, uh, somewhere over in the Sudan and, uh, and they don't even know what Calvary Baptist Church is or a gospel preaching church is and yet uh, they get up in the morning and they see the sun rise and at night they see the, the, the moon in its place and, and in, their, in their mind they think, boy, there's no way that could have just happened. There, there must be a God. There, uh, they see the corn come out of the, out of the ground and they see that the, the fruit trees come and, and the, the, the fruit on the trees and they say, boy, there's no way that this could just happen to happen. There must be a God. You know what's happening? They are responding to the light that God has given them. You know what God in his fairness and justice will do? God will send more light. And he'll show them more things and they'll say, wow, there's another proof. There must be God. And by the way, if they continue to respond to that light, did you know that God, if he has to, will cause a plane to break down and he'll help a missionary to parachute out of that plane down into that village if he has to to get the gospel to that lost and dying people? But I'm just telling you this. There are some, though, who live in the remote parts of the world and they don't even know what a Baptist church is. If you were to say, do you go to a Baptist church? They don't know what a Baptist church is. Some of these folks don't have a Bible. And yet they will reject the light that God has sent to them and because they have rejected the light and rejected that truth that a, that a just God sent to them, they will die and, in their sin and go to hell. But they'll not suffer near as bad punishment as those who sat in Baptist churches just like this. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and heard the gospel preached and heard the gospel preached and heard the gospel preached and heard the gospel preached. And yet they said, I, I, I hear what you're saying, preacher, but I'm not ready to change. I'm, I'm not ready to give up my lifestyle. I'm not ready to give up my drugs. I'm, I'm not ready to give up my liquor. I'm, I'm not ready to give up my lifestyle. And they reject and they push back and they reject and they push back and, and they've heard the truth and they reject the truth and they heard the truth and they reject the truth. I'm telling you that hell is going to be worse for those people everlasting life no everlasting punishment but I want to show you something else and this is just to me this this is amazing not only will the lost receive everlasting punishment but the Bible says they will receive everlasting contempt now, church, you got to see this. I want you to take your Bibles, turn to the book, of, uh, the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12 in your Bibles. Daniel chapter 12. And, and look, if you will, at verse number two. Daniel chapter 12 and verse number two. And as I, boys, I studied this out, as God began to really shed some light on this, it's just amazing, amazing truth. The lost will receive everlasting punishment and they will receive everlasting contempt. Now, somebody says, Pastor, what's the difference in everlasting punishment and everlasting contempt? And I'm getting ready to show you. Daniel chapter 12, verse number two. The Bible says, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. 
Now look very closely. Some to what? Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And then verse three, the Bible says, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Everlasting contempt. Interesting. It's a Hebrew word that means abhorrence. Abhorrence. Or, if you're taking notes, write this down. It's a word that means ultimate disgust. So you could read it like this. And many of them that sleep, uh, sleep in the dust of their shall awake, some to everlasting light and some to ultimate disgust. Now, why are the lost gonna suffer ultimate disgust? Why are the lost gonna be so eternally disgusted with themselves? By the way, have you ever had a day like that when you, I know this is terrible, I know this is terrible. You ever had a day when you were just disgusted? There's been a few days I didn't even know why I was disgusted. And I had no excuse, and I was wrong, by the way. I was wrong. We ought to get up praising God for his blessings on us. But I've had some days when I was just disgusted. Maybe I was disgusted with myself. But I was just disgusted. Or maybe things didn't go like I thought they ought to go that day. And, I, and here I was at the end of the day and the whole day pretty much. I've just had the wrong spirit. I've had the wrong attitude. I've had the wrong mentality. And I just found myself going through the, the entire day and just wasting a whole day being disgusted. Did you know that the Bible tells us that those who die without Christ will spend eternity disgusted? They will raise to everlasting contempt. You say, Pastor, disgusted about what? Disgusted because they missed their opportunity. You know what? There are going to be people in, be, be people in heaven or people in hell, rather. For all of eternity, they're going to say, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? You gave up all of heaven for Jack Daniels? You gave up eternity for a marijuana joint? Because you didn't want to get rid of it and God was convicting you and the Holy Spirit was working in your life and, and you, said not, you said no to Jesus and you held on to the joint or you held on to the sin or you held on to the immorality and, and for all of eternity, all of eternity, there will be people there in hell who will say, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? What was I thinking? What was I thinking? I've missed it. 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 I've missed heaven. I've missed Jesus. I've missed the streets of gold. I've missed it all. And they will suffer through eternity with ultimate disgust. You say, preacher, don't believe that. Well, let me tell you what you better do then. You better read Luke 16. Because the Bible's very, very clear to tell us that when that rich man died and opened his eyes in hell, he had a better memory than he had before he died. In fact, I would, I would go as far as to say this. He had more awareness in eternity than he did before eternity. You say, why do you say that? He knew who Abraham was, and he'd never seen Abraham. 
He remembered Lazarus. He saw Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. He remembered who Lazarus was. He knew who Abraham was. And he said to Abraham, Father Abraham, send Lazarus. Then he may tip the, dip of, uh, tip, the uh, tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. He not only remembered and knew Abraham, he not only remembered Lazarus, tell you something else, he remembered his family. He remembered he had siblings. He remembered how many siblings he had. He remembered exactly where they were. He said, Abraham, send Lazarus to my father's house. If I have five brethren, he said, I don't want them to come to this terrible, terrible place. Now, you say, Pastor, what's your point? My point is that that man had a memory in hell. Now, Pastor, what are you trying to say? I'm trying to say that for all of eternity, those that suffer in hell will remember every opportunity they had to trust Jesus Christ. You know what I believe? Specifically, I believe that there'll be some If you're sitting here today in this service and you're lost in eternity, you'll remember this service. I believe God's going to give you an awareness then that you don't have now. And part of that torment will be, you'll be thinking, I was there. I was sitting in the chair. I heard the choir sing. I heard Brother Abel play play the piano in the offertory. I, I watched the ushers take up the offering. I heard the preacher preach that message. And by the way, good message, bad message, whatever. But I think for all of eternity, you'll be in hell and you'll be thinking, man, I had the opportunity. I could have given my life to Christ that day. I, I could have been saved. I, I, could have, I could have came to Christ and yet I missed my opportunity. No wonder the lost will suffer ultimate disgust. This has probably never happened to you. There's been a few times when Miss Tammy and I were getting ready to travel. And I started looking for flights, rooms. And I'd go on to a certain website or something. And I'd find a flight somewhere. And I'd think, man, that's a great price. Wow. You ever done that? You ever just happened to happen on a great price? You're thinking, man, how in the world... There must be something wrong. I mean, how how can it be that cheap? We've had a few times like that where it was just like, whoa, what in the world? And and you're making, you know, getting ready to make those arrangements and and you find a cheap, cheap flight and you're thinking, wow, man, this is a golden opportunity. Or you find some kind of room and it's just beautiful. I mean, it's beautiful. And you're thinking, man, I need to click on, I, I need to, I need to, yes, we need to stay here. This is gorgeous. But this is what you did. You hesitated. And the next day you thought, oh man, I need to make those arrangements. And you went back on that same website and that price was gone. You looked for that room. You looked for that room that you dreamed about and you thought, man, this is gonna be the greatest vacation ever. And you looked at that room And across that room, it said, booked. And you know what you did? You thought, what in the world? Why did I wait? Why did I hesitate? 
I had an opportunity. I mean, man, we were going to be able to fly down there for pr- practically nothing. We were going to be able to stay in this beautiful, beautiful place for, for just, just pennies on the dollar. But I, I procrastinated. I waited. And because I waited, I, I lost my opportunity. Hey, church, I'm going to tell you something. Did you know that that, uh, that that is going to be played out? That scenario is going to be played out time and time and time again through eternity. There will be people in hell that will say, man, I had an every, every opportunity. I could have walked the aisle. I could have got saved. They were having a revival at Calvary and multiple people were coming and yet I, re- I rejected and rejected and rejected. Hey, no wonder that the lost will suffer ultimate disgust for all of eternity. Everlasting life? No. Not for the lost. Everlasting punishment? Everlasting contempt? But I want to show you something else, church. How about this? Number three. Everlasting destruction. Now, turn in your Bibles, if you will, to 2 Thessalonians, and we're going to be done. 2 Thessalonians, chapter number 1. See, the reason I'm taking you to these scriptures is because I don't want you to think that I'm just up here preaching something. I want you to see this for yourself. It is one of the differences at Calvary, by the way. I don't want you to take this for the words of a man. I want you to see it in black and white for yourself. In 2 Thessalonians chapter number one, and look at verse number eight. Now listen to what the Lord says here. Verse number eight, 2 Thessalonians chapter one, verse number eight, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And look at verse number nine. Who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. The Bible says the lost are gonna experience everlasting punishment. They're going to experience everlasting contempt. And you say, well, preacher, If the lost are going to experience those things, then what in the world, what in the world is everlasting destruction? I'm going to show you. The word destruction in 2 Thessalonians is the Greek word olithros. And it means this, it means to destroy. Now now hear me. It means to destroy a prolonged form. And then it means this, ruin. Ruin. R-U-I-N, ruin. But I'm gonna be honest. You don't need to know the Greek to understand this verse. It's pretty clear. You say, Pastor, what is everlasting destruction? Well, the Bible tells us exactly what it is. Everlasting destruction means that the lost will suffer ruin because they are separated from the presence of the Lord. Look back at it. Second Thessalonians chapter number one, verse number eight, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse nine, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. What's that mean, preacher? It, it explains it. Look what it says. From the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Did you know, church, the worst thing about hell will not be fire. Now, when I, was, when I was younger, 
Hell scared me to death. By the way, I think hell ought to scare you to death. If you're lost, it ought to scare you. You say, I'll tell you one thing, preacher, don't scare me. Well, I love you in the Lord. But it ought to scare you to death. But the worst thing about hell is not fire. Now, fire will be there. The worst thing about hell will not be a flame. A flame will be there. It'll not be darkness, although it'll be a dark, dark place. It'll not be demons, although they will be there. They will be banished to hell for eternity. The worst thing about hell will not be pain. It'll not be suffering. And it'll not be torment. The Bible tells us right here in the book of Thessalonians that the worst thing about hell, the reason that hell is so destructive and the reason that hell is so damning is because hell does something very specific. Hell separates the lost sinner from an almighty God. Big deal, pretty big. Because we were created with a need for the Lord. Isaiah 43, 21. I'm just going to read this quickly. You don't, you don't have time to turn to them. Isaiah 43, 21. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Colossians 1 verse 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Acts 17, 26, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord. If haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. Man was made with a need for God. Now we're done. You can close your Bibles. We're done. Did you know there is a vacuumed shaped void in every person's life that's in the shape of God? And nothing will ever satisfy that void except God. Especially I don't believe it. And I feel a little resistance today. I don't believe it. Okay. Answer me a question then. Why does a movie star who makes millions and millions and millions, who lives in Bel Air, right outside of Hollywood, California, and we've been there, and it's unbelievable. I'm telling you, it's just, it's, it's absolutely incredible. To drive up through those hills and see those mansions, I'm telling you, it will blow your mind. Why does a movie star who has millions of dollars, who has incredible prestige and fame, who lives in one of those Bel Air mansions uh, up on the side of the mountain, has has an outlook, he looks out over the Pacific Ocean, and yet he can't even stay out of jail. He's hooked on uh, coke, he's hooked on meth, He can't keep his marriage together. His kids hate his guts. Am I telling the truth this morning? You know why? 
because prestige don't fill the void, money doesn't fill the void, fame doesn't fill the void, a mansion on the hillside doesn't fill the void. There is only one thing that'll fill that void and it's Jesus Christ. He is the only thing that will ever fill that void. That's exactly why these sports celebrities that make millions of dollars in contracts can't stay out of jail, can't keep from beating their wives. Uh, listen, in trouble after trouble after trouble. Why? Because I'm telling you, Jesus Christ is the answer for what this world needs. We've been given a need for God. Here we go now. And for all of eternity, that need will never be met. Separated from his love, separated from his forgiveness, separated from his joy, separated from his contentment, separated from his peace. So you see why I'm saying fire is not the worst thing about hell. Somebody said life with Christ is an endless hope, but without him, a hopeless end. I find these little stories and I just, you know, they speak to me. I hope they speak to you. W.B. Henson was a great preacher of a past generation. And he spoke of his own experience one night before he died. He said that, and I'm, I'm just going to read his words, quote. He said, I remember a year ago when, when a doctor told me you have an illness from which you won't recover. And W.B. Henson walked out to where, he said, I walked out to where I live, five miles from Portland, Oregon, and I looked across at the mountain that I love. I looked at the river in which I rejoice. I looked at the stately trees that are always God's own poetry to my soul. And then in the evening, I looked up into the great sky where God was lighting his lamps, and, and I said, I may not see you many more times, but mountain, I shall be alive when you are gone. And river, I shall be alive when you cease running toward the sea. And stars, I shall be alive when you've fallen from your sockets in the great downpulling of the material universe. You know how he could say that? He had everlasting life. Yes. A thoughtful young lady, but lost, wrote these words on a piece of paper. To think of summers yet to come that I am not to see. I think a weed is yet to bloom from dust that I shall be. She had a Christian friend who found that little piece of paper. She picked it up and she read those words, those sad words that that lost lady had written. And she wrote on the other side of the card these words, to think when heaven and earth are fled and skies and seas are o'er, when all that can die shall be dead, that I shall die no more. Boy, how many are thankful for everlasting life? Amen. Boy, hallelujah. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I don't know Christ as Savior, I'm going to tell you, I'm just telling you, I'd run down this aisle. If you're here this morning and you are unsure of your salvation, I'd run down this aisle. I wouldn't care about what anybody thought. I wouldn't care. Listen, I mean, I'd get down here as fast as I could get down here and I'd get to the Savior. Would you bow your heads with me all over the house today? Father, we thank you for this time we've had together today. God, I pray that you'll help us concerning this thing of everlasting life.
Lord, I'm so thankful for everlasting life. Lord, I'm concerned about those who will miss it. Those that will be reserved for everlasting destruction. Everlasting contempt. Lord, that that point, that middle point is the one that really seemed for some reason to stand out in my mind. Lord, ultimate disgust. Man, I almost made it. I could have gotten saved, but I missed the will of God. Father, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. Lord, if there's one that needs to come to Jesus, I pray pray right now, Lord, you'd give them faith. And Father, that you would draw them to thyself and that you'd help them to come. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two. How many are here this morning would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am saved and going to heaven when I die. Preacher, I know that I have everlasting life. If that's you, would you just very quietly, without anybody looking, just slip your hand up. Preacher, I know that I have everlasting life. Praise the Lord. Wonderful, wonderful. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. Is there one here anywhere today who'd be honest? Come on now. Who'd be honest? And you'd say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I have everlasting life. I'm not sure that I would live forever in heaven. If that's you, without anybody looking, without anybody looking, if that's you, would you at least let me pray for you this morning? Right now, you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. If I died today, I'm not sure. I see that hand. Is there another? Is there another? Preacher, if I died right now, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there another? Anywhere? Can I pray for you? You just slip your hand up right now. Pastor, remember me. Remember me. We're going to pray. Now, I want to ask you this, this real quickly. You know, I didn't, I didn't preach this, but I had it in the outline, but I didn't preach it. But when I begin to think about that thing of ultimate disgust, I believe the lost will be disgusted because they had the opportunity to be saved and they missed it. But I wondered, I wondered, I'm not sure about this, but I wondered about this. Is there a chance that the lost will suffer ultimate disgust because they wonder why we didn't tell them about Jesus. I wonder if there'll be people in hell one day who will say, man, I worked with brother so-and-so and he never told me about Christ. I went to school with this person. They never shared Jesus with me. Never gave me a gospel track. Never even invited me to church. Well, I wonder if folks will be disgusted in eternity because we weren't the soul winners we ought to be. Would you do us a favor? Would you stand this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed? I'm gonna ask our personal workers if they would just very quietly make their way down to the front this morning. We have some folks down here that have a Bible in their hand. And if you're here today and you have a need, any need at all, if you need salvation, we've got somebody here with a Bible who'd love to pray with you. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, It's not salvation, but I need to rededicate my life to Christ. We've got somebody here that would 
to love to meet you and pray with you today. Whatever decision it is, whatever it is, if you come, we'll pray with you today. Father, I thank you for your blessings. God, I pray that you'll have your way in this invitation. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to hearts. Oh, God, those who are lost, those who are lost and undone without Jesus. Father, maybe there's someone watching by way of the live stream right now who doesn't know Christ. Lord, they don't know they have everlasting life. Father, help them to call that number that's on the screen right now. Lord, there's somebody waiting by the phone that would love to share Jesus with them. God, right now, do that work that only you can do. God, please, change lives, I pray. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Listen, if you're here this morning and there's a need, any kind of need at all, why don't you right now just step out into the aisle and make your way to the front? Is there one today that needs to come, that needs to make a move? Pastor, if I died right now, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you come right now? Would you come? We'd like to take the Bible and show you how to be saved. Would you come right now? Preacher, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. I know I'm not. Hey, would you just step out and come while we wait? Would you come? Would you come? Father, thank you for your blessings. Lord, I pray that you'll work in hearts right now. God, help us not to miss our opportunity. Father, we may not have another one. We may not have another opportunity to be saved. We may not have another opportunity to trust Jesus. We may not have another opportunity to rededicate our life to Christ. And so, Lord, help us to seize that opportunity on this day, May the 29th, 2022. Lord, work in hearts, please. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you need to come, you come today while we wait.